You're listening to episode 70 brought to you by Canvas People and Teamy. For a free 11 by 14 canvas, just go to canvaspeople.com and enter the code LOVELY. And for 15% off any order at Teamy, just go to teamyblends.com and enter the code 15LOVELY. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely, the podcast for real moms who are seeking Jesus, trying to live their roles well, and working to add a little bit more loveliness to their life, even in just the little moments. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppin Monroe from CultivatingTheLovely.com and Bold Turquoise across pretty much all social media. And today I have a serious treat for you ladies. One of my favorite guests is back on the show today, Sally Clarkson. You guys know I love me some Sally, and this episode does not disappoint. We talk about her and her husband Clay's new book, The Life-Giving Parent, but I just felt like we were really able to go a little bit deeper into the hard times of parenting and how we can be supporting our kids through those times and, and really creating hope for them and hope for ourselves, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. But first, I want to get a little bit of business out of the way. As you know, I've mentioned we're starting a book club this summer for the Cultivating the Lovely Patreon community, so if you are a member over there, we are going to be reading Sacred Rest by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. It's a great book. We read it. I had her on the show just a few weeks ago. It was so nourishing to my soul. It talks about so many different types of rest that we really need. I think you guys are going to love it, and I can't wait to be talking with you guys about it. We're going to be doing live video sessions talking about that and going deeper with it. I think you're really going to like it. So if you want to join that, then please come over and join us in Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We have a private Facebook group where we do live videos, and you know, even if you've just loved the show for years and you just want a way to help support it, just to kind of say like a thanks keep the lights on on this show because patreon really does help to do that then we would love for you to be a supporter be a patron i really tried to give back and have lots of different things for the membership we're going to have lots of new things coming towards the end of the summer that will be continuing on into the indefinite future with new podcasts coming and really strong resources for moms to be connecting more with their kids you guys I'm so excited to be releasing more information on this very soon because I've been hashing out all the details with my good friend Katie Duckett, who has been on the show before. We've really entered into this endeavor together, and I think that what we have to offer you guys and offer you as families and moms, you're going to absolutely love. We're going to be giving a lot of the practical skills and practical ideas for you to be connecting more with your kids and forming those relationships, especially based around stories. So more on that soon. I'm so excited. But if you want to get in on that early and support the show and make sure that you are there when all of the news breaks, then make sure you're getting involved with the Patreon community and getting into our private Facebook group. We would love to have you there. All right. But really, we all just want to get to the goods of this episode with Sally, right? So without further ado, here is my episode with Sally. Welcome, Sally. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you. One of my favorite people. Oh, that's so sweet. But I am just so excited to have you back on the show, especially because I finished reading your book at midnight last night. So oh. I was bound and <laughs> determined. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm in thick reading season right now for the podcast. I was like, I have, I will finish this whole thing before I talk to her. So I'm so glad I was able to get through it. And it's covered in blue ink. 
Oh. <laughs> oh. Like every page, so- I just have so many notes. So I'm I'm so excited to be able to talk more about the book. But you've had a lot going on since we last chatted on the podcast. I think that was like almost two years ago. But right. you became a grandma. I did. I did. It's so fun. I feel like my adult children are so involved in ideals and dreams and yeah. all, education and all this stuff. And I thought, okay, someone needs to stop and get married and have children. <laughs> right. Seriously. I know. And when I heard that um, Sarah was going to have a baby and that she did, I just kept thinking, she's going to be the best mom. (laughs) Oh, she's she's got such a great foundation. You're so sweet. Well, I got to live in in Oxford literally less than two minutes from her house. Uh, So we had fun being with little baby Lillian. And um, I was able to take her a couple mornings a week uh, just for a couple hours and um, you know, Sarah being the new mom said, do you think she's going to miss me too much? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she's still involved in academic pursuits yeah, and dreams, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was really fun. And I, I really saw again, how ideally all these precious young moms who feel alone or get depressed or whatever, ideally they, uh, they need somebody to come along beside them and help them and, yeah. And give them insight and say, no, this is okay, and this is how you do it, and yeah. let me yeah. take her for a little while. And I think that's one of the major components missing for women today is that that old arm-in-arm linking fellowship mm-hmm. is just not as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that sense of community and just being able to be there for each other and have someone to just help is so rare to find these days. So I'm so glad you could be there for her. That's amazing. That was really fun. Yeah. And she's just beautiful. It was just so fun to, to see the little pictures and stuff, especially in the midst of you. I mean, you've had a lot going on with your eye and I know everyone's been really concerned, but you're, you're doing okay, you said before we started recording. I mean, I, um, it was interesting to get to American he confirmed that it was permanent damage. Oh, and yeah. So I have another interesting new challenge to deal with, but um, I feel pretty blessed and I feel like um, in a fallen world, difficulties are going to happen. Jesus said in this world, you have tribulation. And I think being, I'm going to turn 65 this summer. Wow. And um, as I look back, I wish I'd known earlier in my life that, life is filled with possibilities of difficulty yeah. <laughs> and, um, and possibilities of difficult people. Yeah. But the, I have agency and I can bring life into those places. I can leave my burdens in God's hands. And I want, I don't want to be a victim. I want to move yeah. ahead in my life always little by little. And sometimes you have those very difficult days, but I just want to inch forward in bringing light and beauty into um, people's lives and into my life to give hope to those who are around me because I just am amazed when I look back to see how faithful God was, even when I didn't know he was being faithful. Yeah. So um, this little I thing is just one more reminder that I'm not home yet, but that God has been so faithful to me. So I'm doing great. Well, that's good. I know this is, you know, on a totally different level, but with what I'm going through and whatnot, I just keep thinking, this will not be the thing that defines me. I, no. I, this is not my whole story. This is not what I'm all about. You know, this, there, 
there are bigger things that God has for me than this. This is just one thing I have to get through before the next thing that he has for me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier to bear when we're going through difficult things if we kind of have that perspective that this doesn't have to be all. I don't have to, you know, now start a a blog and write books specifically about this difficult thing that I'm going through. You know, it's part of my story, but it's not the whole story. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you with your eye, like it's just one piece in a much bigger puzzle of what, you know, you're doing with your life and what you have to get through to, to do the mission that God has for you. So, well, but I also feel like you're such a great communicator and uh, you really are. And you have a legacy of communication and words and messages. And, and I feel like you watching people watching you continue to take one more step of courage and one more step of faith. Um, I don't think you probably know how many people get hope from the way that you're living and the way that you're communicating. So I think, thank you. Oh no, I I love what you do. Oh, well you too. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited to talk to you today. So this book, was it kind of nice to be able to hand the reins over to clay a little bit for this book? I mean, a lot of it. Well, more than you know. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Billy wrote most of it, and even in some of my parts, he just interviewed me. Oh. Um, And, um, you know, we wrote, we talked about stories and stuff, but um, many people for many years have been saying, I want a man's perspective. I want a man Mm -hmm. to write the same philosophy that you have for my um, husband and, um, or, you know, whatever. And also, I think that it just gives more of a holistic picture of our family that, um, these were things, Clay and I are very different in personality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet these were maybe the common grounds that we came to over many years that the life giving parent is somebody not who, um, does all these activities and mm-hmm. enters the door of a church, but really it's who you are in your home. It's, it's, as you're walking with God, you're sharing what you learned that morning or, you're confessing your difficulties or you're saying, Oh my goodness, come look at this sunset, um, whatever. But that God's life is real to you. And that's what becomes real to your children. It's not about formula. Yeah. I, I loved it because a lot, not, I'm not going to say like everything in this book I've heard from you before, because that's not accurate, but I felt like there were touches of things that have definitely been brought up in other books that you've put out or in your podcast and whatnot. And it, so it was really refreshing to kind of hear his perspective and be able to be like, okay, like this is how they are on the same page. And this is how he processes it with kind of this additional information. And I thought he did a really good job of just weaving in biblical story into how everything came together. I just, it was really fun to kind of, because I feel like I'm pretty familiar with your work. <laughs> I've read know, a lot true. of it, you know, so to, to get his perspective, it was really fun, but also to feel like it was definitely a joint venture. And then to have your stories sprinkled throughout, I thought it was a really refreshing take on what you guys are putting out there and a really nice way to wrap up your life giving parent series. Oh, thanks so much. I, it was really fun to, to see how people are responding to it. Cause I, I think, that people are still looking for rules or formula mm-hmm. and it was of uh, an organic life that we really understood that Christ wanted us to have. It's a, it's a day by day. It's over a long period of time. It's a process. It's not a moment. Yeah. And 
yeah, so that was really fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, and one thing, one theme that I felt like was really prevalent in the book, and it's something we've talked a lot about on Cultivating the Lovely, is how loveliness doesn't just happen. <laughs> like it takes effort. Exactly. It yeah. takes planning and work. And so do you want to expound a little bit on just kind of that theme that you guys talk about in the book? I will. And I, I, um, I think I'll pick one area of loveliness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a big, broad thing. I, I'll, I'll do a couple of things. But um, one of the things that has really impacted me in the past few years, because all my children are adults and they're away and they're living their own lives and all. It's funny that they said that all of them have said in different writings. When I would come down the stairs in the morning, um, because our bedrooms are in one floor and and in general, almost all the houses we lived in. And they said they would find me with my cup of tea, with music on and with my Bible and a candle lit. Mm -hmm. And now um, all the kids, even I was so tickled that Nathan last year, he was living in this little tiny apartment in New York. And he said, mom, I, I got a male candle and I lit it and I, (laughs) I got all this hummus and, and, um, and crackers and invited all my friends over and I put music on and, and he said um, they thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And he said, I, I said, I grew up in this. So <laughs> it's kind of just a, it's, it's saying, okay, I am worth something. Yeah. I beauty, you know. But the other thing I was going to say about loveliness is there is a life to words. Speaking uh, loveliness into your children's minds and hearts. Say, speaking forward, I love who you are. I know um, that you're going to bless many people who wouldn't want to be your friend. I see that you're very truthful or I see that you're very whatever. And, um, to this day, I text my kids almost every day. Um, I talk to them on the phone constantly. We're still each other's best friends and I always leave them with a life giving word and with how much I value my relationship with them. And I think sometimes women forget that, that words, define our how we feel about ourselves words define um our own belief in ourselves all of us are sinful and broken and fall apart on a regular basis (laughs) i mean kids are just as selfish as i am yeah but when somebody speaks hope and beauty and goodness and life into your life that's like food for the soul and um so that would be an area that i would say you know cultivate loveliness in the way that you speak to and about your children Okay, ladies, here's a question. What do you do with all your photos? We all have a ton. I know that my phone is mostly full of photos from years back, things that I never even really see because they're just buried in my phone. But out of all of those photos, of course, we all have our favorites. I have one that I recently took of my son and daughter at a park that we were at, and my daughter is being totally goofy and ridiculous. My son just has this sweet, sweet smile on his face. Something that I would want to have not just buried in the archives of my phone. I want to be able to see this photo all the time because it's just so joyful. So for those favorite photos, you've got to check out Canvas People. 
Canvas people print your favorite photos on Canvas for really unique, beautiful prints. You probably remember back this winter, I actually got a big photo of our family done that I can't wait for us to put up in our new home someday. And all these little photos that just really spark that joy in my heart, like that one I mentioned of my daughter and son, I would love to get smaller ones of those to kind of put around the big one. Because creating a collage like that, or even just having the one big photo of our family, is really going to be able to act as very personal artwork in our new home. And with Canvas People, you get your favorite memories printed to cherish and beautiful prints that look great on any wall. I know you're going to love Canvas People as much as I do, and I have a special code that you can use to get an 11 by 14 Canvas People print for free. This is a $69.99 value, and all you do is pay shipping and handling. So to get your own 11 by 14 Canvas People print for free, just visit canvaspeople.com, upload your photo, and enter the code LOVELY. This is a special limited time offer for today's listeners. So go to canvaspeople.com today and use the code LOVELY to get your print for free. And something that I've kind of realized living with my parents again, because you have certain perspectives on what your childhood was like and that sort of thing. And then you live with your parents again. You're like, oh, maybe this was different than I remembered it being. Or, you know, you kind of have this more grown-up perspective on things. And I've realized certain things about, like, oh, I thought we were, like, a really touchy-feely family, like, giving each other hugs and stuff. And then coming back and realizing, oh, I guess we weren't. (laughs) Like, Or, (laughs) you know, like, I thought we really, like, would talk a lot. And then realizing, like, oh, it's really hard to really say to each other what we mean to each other. Yeah. And it, it takes an effort. Um, yeah. It takes commitment. And I, Clay did not grow up in a family like that at all. I mean, I, I won't even go into what kind of family he grew up yeah. in. But um, he had to learn a lot of the things that he wrote about. Mm-hmm. They natural. He had to think about them in his mind, understand them. And then he had to practice them from having no experience. Yeah. How to give words. But I think because we made a tradition at our family table um, on birthdays and at different times to value the person and to celebrate the person, it gave him a place to do it naturally. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's why sometimes the rhythms that you cultivate in your life actually make doing the right things easier. Yeah, well, and that was such a huge part of the book as well, was talking about how we really have to be the example. We have to have these things happening in our own lives so that we have that well to draw from to teach our kids, but so they can also see it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you guys maybe specifically did that for yourselves to really be cultivating those things within yourselves to be able to give back to your kids? Uh, you know, I am an idealist off the chart, which everybody who reads my material yeah. would know. I think that sometimes um, people probably think that it was because my life was easy that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And um, what I would say is uh, people who know me say, oh, my goodness, your life was so hard um, in yeah. so many ways. And I'm kind of um, like um, – Jacob, you know, um, I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I love what you do, because I think that when we understand that the God who created the stars and seasons and puppy dogs and, you know, um, flowers every spring, that he is the God that lives in me. Mm -hmm. And um, so my quiet times were very important because I had to refresh and restore 
and remember who I was mm-hmm. and remember who that God did love me and believe that and remember that he had made me to be a creator because he was creative. And so really my quiet times were a desperately needy time for me to remember that, um, that um, God was for me. I was thinking about that recently when you look at the, we had uh, seen the Super Bowl. We don't really watch very much football, but occasionally every year we'll, we'll gather with friends and do that. I was thinking about when the fans are for their team, they scream, they yell, they buy pennants, they, you know, they're probably praying that they'll win. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about the verse that when it says God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I was thinking, God is for me. He He is on my side. He prays for me, it says in Hebrews, morning, noon, and night. He um, saw me. He sees my prayers. He sees my difficulties. He's for me. So I would just read that one little verse in my quiet time. And I would write down, today, God is for me. I'm going to remember that. And then I would go into my life. And in the midst of the ups and downs, I would I would be drawing from what I had invested in myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I always kept a little basket of books um, going from people who caused me to want to be my better self. And um, I have liked over the years books by Philip Yancey. And um, well, there's just so many books that I yeah. would say. <laughs> Um, authors and stuff, but my books and my um, investing that way in my life uh, every morning that I could um, really gave me a foundation from which I would draw every day. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. It's something that I've really been, I've struggled with because like I'm in the living room, like I'm in the same room with my kids. How do I make it happen? But I've had to learn to just like have my stuff right there and even if I just have to whip out my light on my phone so I can see what I'm doing and not disturb anybody you know oh, I- yeah. you know even making a little place in the corner we as you know we traveled a lot um mm-hmm. and, worked a lot. and I would just say okay I'm light my candle this is my 10 minutes you know yeah <laughs> or whatever and um I'm going to say one more thing that I think is real important I because I haven't been able to drive lately and I'm home and we live kind of um, far away in a suburb, you, there's no place to walk to. Yeah. And um, so I have this list of friends that I kind of wrote out, about eight or ten friends, that when I'm with them, they make me want to be more faithful. They build into my life. And so I called one of my friends. We've been trying to get together for a long time. And I used um, some points, and I just used this, and I went out to see her. I said, I need, I need a Sandra moment for three days. And she called me and we were together. And I think that it's real important in the midst of all the busyness of life for us to gather friends that are also godly, that are also going to call us to our best self and help us. And then make sure you either call them or spend time with them because um, knowing that somebody's walking your difficult roads with you, Mm -hmm. that they like who you are and that they dream with you. And a lot of that has come through, my friends have come through doing ministry together or projects together. Yeah. But say, I have really drawn from the strength that my sweet friends give me. And that has also modeled to my children that they need to not do life alone. Yeah. To cultivate people and groups and community, even if it all happens by me initiating it all. Yeah. But, um, so another thing is champion other women who can walk your road with you. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that one. Like, I wouldn't have been able to get through the last eight months that I have without this core group of women who saw me for who I was and I didn't have to explain anything to. And they just have just been here for me and they've been willing to drop things that they were doing in their own lives to help me in so many ways and just keep reaffirming me even when I have doubts or anything. They have been priceless to me. And I think something that people, I I mean, especially I think when I was a younger mom, it can be just so hard to find friends. And people think like, oh, I don't have a ton of friends. Well, I don't have a ton of friends. But Mm -hmm. the few that, yeah, the few that I have, though, are so, those friendships are so deep and so true. And it allows me to invest deeply into them because I don't have a ton of friends. And I'm just so grateful. It, it doesn't have to be a wide circle. Sometimes it's it's good to just have it be small and deep. Right. And I, I think that a lot of people um, need to know when I talk about the life-giving parent, you're drawing from the life that you're investing in in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always giving to your children, not from your activities, but from who you've become. And I, most of my friends, because we moved 17 times, six times internationally, yeah. um, I had to initiate. Mm-hmm. I had to be the one who would say, um, let's just get together really early in the morning for breakfast or let's, um, you know, whatever it was, let's celebrate life together. Let's meet at the park, whatever. But it was over years of being a faithful friend or watching a couple of my friends be so faithful to me that I learned enough about friendship to be yeah. able to get it. Yeah. I think that's been key to my friendships is seeing how they've been able to invest in me. And then even in the midst of difficult things, being able to invest in them, even in small ways like that, that does good things for my soul to take my eyes off my own problems for a little while. Of course. Yeah. Well, anyway, little side note there on friendship, but I do think it's so important for us to be able to, to give back to our kids in that way by having our cups filled. I mean, I, I felt like when I was reading this, a lot I was coming back to own your life like Mm -hmm. things kept reminding me of that book that you've written because that is so much about filling ourselves so that we can pour out to our kids right yeah and one of my favorite chapters was on shaping our children's wills because Mm -hmm. I like how you emphasize shaping rather than merely training them that the core of it is really stemming from relationship and pursuing their hearts rather than just behavior modification so, but, but even when I read that, I'm like, yes, that's so good. But then one of my kids talks back to me and I think I have no idea how to deal with this in a life giving way. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think that I don't know if this makes sense. You've seen the 24 family ways too. Yes. I'm sure. Um, I think that something that helped me a lot when I was younger was I learned this whole principle of, of will training. The idea that I say to my kids, I can't make you great. Mm-hmm. You have to decide that you want to be great. I can't make you obey. I can't make you become a hero in your own story. You have to choose that. And then when we were training them, like when they would talk back to me, I would say, um, for instance, if they yelled at me, you know, they argued back with me, I would say, um, you have a choice to make right now. And if you decide to speak to me with an honoring voice, or if you decide to um, you know, let's just sit down and talk because sometimes you just need to talk because they're coming from a place that's not even representative of what they said. Yeah. But if you choose to argue with mom, 
then you are choosing the consequences of having to go and write out the 24 family ways this this way. What does it say about honoring mom? If you choose to say, mom, I'm sorry, and say that in a nicer way, then then you are choosing blessing. Do you want blessing or curse? Because in Deuteronomy, it talks about where God said to the Israelites, very end of Deuteronomy, he said, um, see that I set before you today life and prosperity or death and adversity. And he basically said, if you choose to obey me, I will bless you. I'll bless your children's children. I'll bless the land. I'll bless, you know, he goes on and on and tells them about what he's going to do to bless them. He said, but if you choose to disobey me, you are choosing the consequences of a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And these are the consequences. So I would always say to my kids, you have a choice to make. And that, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yeah. will because um, it's not control. You're saying, I, I can't control who you're going to decide to be. I believe you have the capacity to be a hero in your own story. I believe you have the capacity to be kind, mm -hmm. to be one of those healthy people. But if you choose to do this, you're choosing the consequences that will follow because choices always have consequences. Yeah. I don't, and so we trained them more that whatever they did had a consequence, a good one or a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was even talking with my three-year-old last night because she's just terrible at bedtime <laughs> just <No. laughs> every night. And I mean, I know we have like these weird living circumstances and everything, but just every night she's just, she calls for me 8,000 times. We get her the water, we get her, you know, the everything. Yeah. And you know, there's just always something. And she was like, cause by the end of that, you're, you're getting kind of frustrated. And she's she like, you need to be nice to me tomorrow. It's like, well, you need to be obedient tomorrow. You need to do what mommy says. You wouldn't get in trouble if you did what I said. And she was like, oh, so I'll be good and you'll be nice. Like, <laughs> yep, that's the way it works, sister. Yeah, exactly. When, um, when you choose to obey, then you, yeah, that's so funny. But no, but I do think it's really good for children because I know that some parents, for instance, when they have bad circumstances, um, they'll apologize to their kids all the time and they'll kind of make their children a victim. Yeah. Like I will say to my, I used to say to my kids, if it's God's will for me to have this difficulty, it's God's will for you for me to have this difficulty. Mm. But how can we approach this in a way that um, can make this a place of grace instead of difficulty? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would just say to the kids, I believe maybe someday you're going to you're going to be a strong person in your generation. You're going to know better how to love, how to forgive, how to do this, how to do that. And so we would speak forward in the difficult situations and say, you're one of the strongest children I know, or you're one of the most loving kids I know, or God has trusted us to make this place a beautiful place. How can we make today a better, a de a better day? Will you help me? Yeah. And, um, but it's putting those patterns of thinking in your children's minds. They're going to be adults with difficulties. Yeah going to be adults with, with choices to make. And um, I feel like one of the consequences of that in our own lives was I do feel like in odd ways, um, just some people I knew felt like they had to give their children everything that was good. Mm. And I thought that didn't really strengthen their kids muscles yeah. to become stronger. And so God allowed difficulty. I wanted a perfect life for my kids. And that's not what God gave us. Yeah. But God allowed the difficulty for me to walk along beside them in them and show them this is what it looks like to be faithful and courageous, to be a hero 
in this situation because I know you're going to have difficulty and I believe you're going to know how to handle it because mm -hmm. learning together. And um, so I think that it's funny that my kids have thought or a lot of people think our lives are perfect because yeah. I now see my kids, um, you know, Joy is 22 and she's doing her PhD and wow. she called and she said, this is so hard. <laughs> No. She said, earning a PhD is harder than I ever thought. And I said, I know, right? But she has this pattern of she's had to work a lot over in her life. And mm -hmm. so she said, I'm just doing all the things I learned about work. And um, so I think that difficult, when you see yourself as growing your children's muscle, mm -hmm. you're helping them to grow and you're loving them along the way. And um, it actually, they will become more balanced and stronger people because of the way they've watched you walk through the hard things, mm -hmm. which all people have. Okay, ladies, today I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the podcast, and that is Teamy Blends. So Teamy is a tea company, and they make all these different blends that are good for your health and very sustainable for your body, and they just help you to get rid of your toxins. And when they contacted me, I knew that detox was something I was really needing to do, just from stress and all of the stress eating that I have been doing since, you know, this last year of craziness has happened. And so I knew that I had a lot of issues, but I really thought it was interesting. And then they were pointing out to me that everyone holds up to 10 to 15 pounds of these toxins in their colon for years. I've also been so tired and struggling with energy. And they told me that Timmy would help with that too. Well, I am here to report that it has been a wonderful system. I actually drink their skinny tea, which isn't just for losing weight, though you will and can. It's also just for energy and getting your body up and moving every day. You drink that every morning and then every other day you drink their colon tea and it's a colon cleanse that just really helps remove all of that sluggish stuff and the toxins that have been caught up in your system and get it all out and they really just help you to feel better all the way around. So you may not be going through the sort of crazy stressful year that I have had, but my bet is as a mom, you just have stress and you're tired. And I think that Teeny would be a great solution to help get you on that road to kind of recovery of your system and being able to take care of yourself better. All this year we've been talking about self-care and how important it is and I think our insides need that care too. We need to be removing all this junk from our system and be able to kind of have a clean slate, a fresh start to be able to move forward and feel better. So if you want to get 15% off any order at Teamy Blends, they even have these really cool tea tumblers that you're actually able to put the loose tea straight into and brew and drink from. They're really awesome then you're going to want to go to teamyblends.com and enter the code 15lovely. Again, go to teamyblends.com, code 15lovely for 15% off your order. And it really is our privilege to be able to, to teach them how to do that when they're young so that they're ready for it when they're older. So that they're much more ready than we were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know when I used to have difficult things growing up, my mom would always say, it's a character building experience. And it almost became a joke in our family because anytime anything go would go wrong, it's a character building experience. And it was like, oh, don't say that, mom. But now it's like, you were right. <laughs> All those well, I do have to say, and this is my Pollyanna side, I would maybe say things like that and then... I would leave him a card or take him out for um, a treat or I would um, say, stay up late with me and let's have fun. Or, I mean, I did. <laughs> I felt like um, high grace, 
high discipline. Um, you yeah. know, if it's hard, let's still stay up late and watch a movie. Or yeah. I know yeah. that may seem funny, but I, I wanted him to see that it's not just always hard. Yeah. But that, but we're going to make fun, and we're going to. There's a period of time when Clay was gone from Sunday nights until sometimes Fridays. Wow. Um, you know, every day, every week, all year long. And sometimes I would just pile everybody on my bed and we would watch a movie or make popcorn or yeah. say, this is the best night. And Sarah even talks about that in, in one of our books that um, when he left one night, he could, she could tell that we'd had a little bit of a kerfuffle and um, she was expecting me to turn around and, you know, kind of have a somber look. Everybody get in there and clean the dishes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned around and I said, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And um, everybody, you know, camped out in my bedroom again. And um, we had popcorn and we watched a really fun movie and we lit candles. And, and she said, I learned from my mom's smile and from her choosing to celebrate life that night because she was at that point 14. Mm-hmm. She said, I realized that in that moment we get to create life. And so you don't ever yeah. think it's learning. Yeah. <laughs> they are and it comes out when they're adults <laughs> yes I'm so grateful we have people like you who've paved that way and can tell us look it worked out it's okay you know, they're learning but they're watching and they yeah. will do exactly what you did yeah well and that kind of brings me to this next part of what I wanted to ask you guys about is I think that you set this book apart in parenting books because you bring up the importance of imagination Mm-hmm. And that was just so interesting to me, especially as Clay was talking about how we can't even properly understand the Bible with all of its imagery and everything if we are, if we don't have healthy imaginations. And I don't think I've heard that from anyone else that that's so important to foster in our kids. Mm-hmm. But how did you guys realize like, oh, this is something we really need to like help them work on? Well, I think the whole the whole Bible is a story. Um, you know, I, I, when you say to your children, um, the, the Bible is filled with stories of heroes. And, you know, you talk about a David and a Goliath. And, and can you imagine what it was like to see 40,000 soldiers who were afraid of the giant? And, and they were all mumbling and talking and saying, I don't know what to do. And then this teenage kid comes along and, and says, well, um, you know, you come to me with sword and spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a hero. He didn't see the giant for who he was. He saw the giant as small in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. God would fight for him. And so there, and, and we're going to say, and you're going to be a hero just like David was. And um, we, I think that we realize that imagination gives our children to have the ability to say, I'm going to believe God when I have giants in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, or Esther, you know, was a great woman who, she was an orphan. She was in a foreign land. And so we would shape the stories both in the Bible, but also we read our kids a lot of hero tales. And so as my kids have, they've all had to fight their way and they're all living in very secular arenas. Mm-hmm. And Oxford is very secular and Hollywood is and, um, Cambridge and St. Andrews and New York, all the places they've been, but they had this concept that they were going to go into the world and become the light bearers, the warriors, the heroes. And I, I think that 
um, again, that will training part, you know, you're also training their will to imagine that they're going to become the heroes in their own generation. Mm-hmm. And without the ability to imagine a story where somebody else was brave, they don't have the ability to imagine themselves being brave. Yeah. And, and they don't have the ability to imagine those good futures that they can have and everything. I just think I was just so struck when I read that about how important that is and how, you know, all of the time that I've allowed like my oldest son to, I mean, he is an imaginative child and I've probably allowed, I felt like more time for him to be diving into that than maybe I should. But now I look at it and like those years I think are kind of priceless to him. He had the ability to really run with his imagination. Well, and I, I think it's real important to understand that I mean, we have to look at our kids like we are. Um, I I kind of rebel when someone just comes to me with a lot of rules. Yeah. You need to be this way. You need to lose, you know, 20 pounds by next Saturday. You need to stop eating any junk food. You need to – and those feel burdensome to me. Mm-hmm. But when I hear a great story about someone, it, it kind of captivates my heart. And I yeah. think – this I can be better I can grow stronger and um, stories and that's why scripture was filled with stories there was once a man who there you know the prodigal son the, um, the good Samaritan the, these stories capture our heart and I think that God is all about heart uh, you know he only has uh, ten commandments but he has hundreds of pages of stories that mm-hmm. uh, the commandments establish the minimal foundations that we need to follow, but the stories give us a vision for how do you live those out in a real life. And I think so many parents are so fearful that they want to get all the right moral rules in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think kids are going to follow a rule. They're going to follow a life and a story and a, and, um, a, you know, love, and they're going to follow in the direction of the things that appeal to their heart. Yeah. Well, and the, the stories are what stick with you if a rule is presented in a story it's like it being presented in a song or something you know it's just right you you remember it differently than if it were just rote words that you're trying to pack into your brain which is why legalism never works yeah yeah and so if parents are thinking okay I want story to be you know a huge part of my parenting but I don't know how to take them deeper like what would be your best suggestion for how parents can be getting into those great conversations after reading a story or kind of like you know helping flesh it out and become something more than just oh we just read a story like how do you how did you guys help your kids go deeper with it you know I I hate to keep mentioning my books but no I love it (laughs) in the life-giving table because I really think that one of the most profoundly influential things we ever did was our table Mm-hmm. We would um, eat every night, whether it was a bowl of oatmeal or a Chateaubriand, which we still have yet to eat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we would light candles. We would, again, there's that music and candles. And then we would say, who was your favorite hero in The Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe? Or do you think you would have acted like this? Or why, boy, that witch was terrible. Um, what do you think creates uh, witches and people? I bet people can become witches. And we learned to ask questions and we learned not to, you know, if they said something off the wall, would go, well, that's interesting. We never, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody has a right to opinion and we wanted to shape their opinions. Uh, we wanted them to learn to question and to idealize, but 
we made every night, you know, we reached, we, we read stories. We kept piles of books. We would use all the recommendations from other people, and we used to write a lot of recommendations ourselves. But we would keep a story going before bed at night, or, um, and everybody would gather around, you know, uh, or I'd read to them early in the mornings, whatever. But we would always say, um, I just love this story, or I hated that person in this story, or, you know, we would, um, asking questions and focusing at your children's hearts, or what do you think he could have done differently, or what were the consequences of not living by wisdom? We use words that shape their understanding of all the other things we've taught them. Mm-hmm. But I think um, not lecturing your children, but yeah. engaging yeah. your children, um, and, and saying, you know, I think you're going to be a guy like this, or I think you're going to be a woman like this. But using the stories as a way to shape when I realized that my kids would probably eat around 18,000 meals with me before they left home. Wow. I thought, Oh my goodness. If I just, you know, 18,000 bricks, one brick at a time, if I just used the meal time to either affirm or to, or to teach or to ask questions or to say, tell dad or, you know, tell aunt so-and-so or whatever mm-hmm. about the story we read today. And, um, just making an opportunity for them to engage. And, because I had four kids, it kind of became positive peer pressure. Yeah. All the kids would say, well, I want to say something. Well, I want to say something. You know, it just, it's a habit that develops over time. And you do have those nights when you think, oh my goodness, <laughs> could everybody just one night will not argue with each other? Yeah. Um, you know, those are, that's the normal warp and woof of training children. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a shaping, it's going in the direction of, or, would, would you like to not eat tonight? Because if you continue with that attitude, you have a choice to make. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not a perfect thing, but it is a systematic um, focusing their hearts and shaping their minds with an integration of these stories that you're reading on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think that I think maybe especially in the homeschooling culture, I'm not sure, but I think that sometimes people look at like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to share these stories, but then they feel really overwhelmed about coming up with the questions themselves. Like, oh, I need some sort of curriculum or something. But I think it plays on even what Clay said in the book. Like, we have to use our own imaginations and think about, well, what questions do we have? How how can we be posing that to our kids? I mean, I know for me, even it sometimes feels daunting, but then when I hear you say it, it's so simple. Like mm-hmm. asking just very simple things about what they think about the characters in the book or who was, you know, bravest or, you know, those, those are not, we don't have to make it something harder than it is. No. What did you like about it? What did you not like? Um, who is your favorite character? Um, why do you think they did that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what were the consequences? I mean, you could ask those questions about every single story Yeah. and um, they would begin learning how to engage. And sometimes you just need to have fun, you know, yeah. I mean, but, um, I do think that it's a lot of people just say to me, okay, so your kids are studying in Oxford and Cambridge and, you know, they've done all these things and stuff. And what did, what curriculum did you use? And I think yeah. we talked at the table, Yeah, <laughs> you know, we talked in the car, we listened to stories in the car. Um, we, you know, it was really, uh, it's so natural and easy to cultivate great souls. It's mm-hmm. just creating the environment, having a few rhythms that you do all the time as much as possible. And then it's kind of like this organic life fills in the cracks. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend a thousand dollars on something for it to be meaningful. Yeah. And I think even, you know, like I'm walking into this very different season of having my kids in school, which is not something I ever thought would be happening. Mm-hmm. But it really is like I was able to take your book so to heart and that I I can still purposefully use the moments that I have. I can use that car ride to school. We still have, you know, our evening meal together. We have breakfast together. We have these moments we have before bed that we, I don't want moms who don't have their kids with them all the time to be discouraged that, no. oh, they're, they're losing out on all that time. Like we, we can still purposefully plan for the times that we do have and mm-hmm. make the most of them and be able to speak into our children's lives in that same way. Well, I, and a lot of women that I work with and that are in our arena, uh, many of them work, uh, many mm-hmm. of them have totally different lifestyles, many singles, many married. There's no one story, and that's yeah. why we didn't give a list of rules, because um, the more that each of us walk with Christ, the more power of Christ we have in our home. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just so believe that what you said is so true, that it's we will be we will stand above in our children's minds most of the people in their lives, if we love well, if we um, cultivate life, they'll think, you know, I really found, I, I learned that from my mom. Mm-hmm. I learned that because I saw this in her life. I, I felt accepted. I felt affirmed. She believed in me. That's why God doesn't create just a list of this is the only way you can choose education for your children. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he is much bigger through all of history than just our limited focus at that moment. Yeah. And we're still moms. And I think as, as Clay points out in the book, like we can still kind of, no matter what's going on, we can still be that biggest impact in our kids' lives, especially if we're being intentional about it, because their natural inclination is to want to learn from us as their parents. Yeah, they really do. They, all children kind of want in their own eyes for their parent to be a hero. Yeah. And that means that most children would say, I just want my parents to be happy. Or I just want my mom to to um, to feel okay. I realized um, long ago, Joel, it, it was in a circumstance where I was kind of, you know, had tears in my eyes. The house was a total wreck and come back from a trip. And I was kind of like, well, we've got to really clean up the house and I'm overwhelmed. And he threw his arm around me and he said, you know, mom, he said, we're going to get the house straightened up and then it'll get a mess again. And then we'll straighten it again. And then it'll be a mess again. But he said, all we need is for you to be happy. If you're happy, we feel great. And when you're unhappy, we feel guilty. Aww. So mom, she just buck up today. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's what he really needs. I just, you know, I need to kind of sweep off the toys onto the floor and say, this moment, we're going to enjoy our peanut butter sandwich. And then, you know, kind of have a, I realized that he was looking to me for how he felt about his life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good. I think that's it. A good note to wrap things up on that we need to we need to try to be that for our kids and I and not always have the, everything be so serious. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's not life isn't always serious and we need to. As I think his words were lighten up, mom. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think my twelve year old probably was to say that to me too. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, thank you. Well, Sally, how are you currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Well, I, I actually told my story already. I um, Two things is I do regularly go to my grocery store and buy myself 
the kinds of flowers that last for three weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I do that just sometimes because it, it lightens up my room. But also, I have really intentionally, since I've been having to stay home a lot, I yeah. have made time for people. I've invited a lot more people over to my house for a simple cup of tea. Yeah. Um, That's nice. Because they, they give back to when I when I make them a cup of tea, they end up enjoying me and I enjoy them. So that's yeah. one of the things I've cultivated this summer. That's a really good one and, and way to make the most of that time where you're sequestered in your home. That's right. Yeah. Well, for me, it's very, you know, it's been hard to think of these for my podcast lately, like how am I cultivating loveliness? But something has just very small because I've been feeling a lot of the effects of the stress physically. Sure. and. Sure. So just drinking more water, I think, oh, has great. been something just, like, effective that I know it can help me. It's not, like, I, I have to think about it because I don't, I'm just not normally, like, I don't drink water a lot. But it when I'm <laughs> purposing to do it, it, I know it always helps me feel better. And it's just, like, one small thing that I can do that I know, okay, even taking the sip of water, I'm taking care of myself. Like, it's just even those little things. That's so, so true. Yeah. I'm going to go drink some water right no, now. Okay, yes. Glad I could inspire you. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Sally. It was such a joy, and I just always appreciate getting to, to sit under your wisdom. Oh, well, I, I always love being with you, too. We just It was so fun to run into you in Nashville next yes. year. And we'll have to see if we can make that happen again. I know. That would be amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sally. We'll talk again with your next book. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Wasn't that so good? As always, I just, I love getting to talk with Sally, but just being able to offer the wisdom to you guys too. It just feels like such an honor to be able to be kind of the conduit between you guys and her being able to have her speak into these situations in our lives. I hope that you guys were able to get a lot out of that. And hopefully you'll be really interested in their new book as well. If you want links to that book, you can go to our show notes at boldturquoise.com slash 070, where you can find links to everything that we mentioned and kind of talking points for the show. You can also find links to all of our sponsors there. And that's another great way for you guys to be able to support the show. If you're interested, even just visiting the sponsor through the links that we provide using the codes, being able to let them know that their ads are getting some attention off of our show is a huge thing to be able to get more sponsorship for the show so that we can keep the lights on here at Cultivating the Lovely. So thank you to all of you who take advantage of the offers that we have on the show. I really appreciate it. Again, we want to hear more from you. We want to be in conversation with you about the people that we have on the show and the things that are happening with CTL. If you have prayer requests or you just want to chat about different topics on momming and homemaking and all that kind of thing, we would love to have you join our Facebook group. You can just search Cultivating the Lovely on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Again, if you want to get involved in Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. It's another fun way to become a member. Get in with all of these ladies who are really trying to pursue motherhood to its fullest and add loveliness where they can. It's a great group of ladies and I think you'll really enjoy it if you come over there with us. And as always, go leave those ratings and reviews in iTunes. It makes such a difference, ladies, to get the word out about the show and help 
want things to continue to grow and get more guests and bigger guests and all kinds of things. It just it means a lot when you're able to get those ratings and reviews in there and let iTunes know that the show is still getting listeners and it still means something. So thank you to those of you who are doing that. All right. Until next week, ladies, when we'll already be in the month of July. Oh, my goodness. Go be bold and gracious. Oh, 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 oh